This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Welcome to the bottom of my bonus mug. I don't need no booze and drugs. I just need to chug a lug my coffee mug. This is Check Out This Record. My name is Mark. With me is no eunuch boy. It's Frank. <laughs> hey, Mark. Hello, listeners. Worshippers of the Mighty All know that you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music, and wherever else you find fine podcasts. That's right, Mark. New episodes drip and drop to your mug, mug, mug and ears every Friday. And of course, for your listening pleasure. That's right. For those of you fresh off the boat from Catalina, this is the podcast where Frank and I recommend albums to each other to check out, see what we did there, and give them a thorough review. We also have a wide variety of musical discussions, like our Spotlight series, where we'll dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out the other side. Now, Mark, you know, clean sheets mean a lot, but what also means a lot is our versus series where we take oh, yeah. two albums against each other and they duke it out for total stereo domination edge. Nice. Now be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group where uh, there will be pictures of my legs sooner than later. We like to drop additional content that will hopefully leave you wanting more of Frank's musical goodness and of course my random nonsense. If you've got a record you want us to check out, just drop us a comment wherever you find us. Frank does a great job of keeping up with it and trying not to fight with idiots. Um, so be sure to like and subscribe and give us a rate and a review, all the hearts, all the farts, whatever it takes. So I say this, Frank? Yes, Mark. All? No all, of course. Well, Mark, yeah, I just want to let you know, I got this morning to make some coffee and everything sucks today. That's right, buddy. That's right. We're here. We're talking about the 1996 album from the legendary pop punk band Descendants. And that album is right there. Everything sucks. Look at him. Look at look at Milo. Look at that. Everything sucks. And, and just you can see Mark's T-shirt. You can see mine. Right. I don't want to grow up. Mug, mug, mug. Hat. Every, I mean, it keeps going. Look at that. Official bonus mug. Oh, what's that? You're worried about COVID? Oh, yeah. Oh, look what he did there. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Look at that. This is the only band I do this for. I know that, like, I give KISS fans a really hard time because they deserve it. (laughs) But, yeah. Like, dude, I even own own a Milo Goes to College flag. Sure does. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I moved between uh, last week's recording of Dire Straits. Be sure to check that out in the archives. Uh, and this week, so my Everything Sucks flag, it's in a box somewhere. Right. But uh, but I found most of my swag, so that's what's important. <laughs> the rest right. of my record collection is in a very safe place as well. Don't worry. Yes. Don't worry. We were worried. We were worried. Yeah. But you don't You don't need to. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I love Listen, we could do this all day. Uh, but mm-hmm. we do have an album to talk about. So, so listen, I'll be honest. Uh, in the mid-90s, when I'm engulfing myself in the world of punk music, I actually heard of All, 
which we'll get to first, and then went back uh, to this album and the Descendants, uh, you know, especially when this album came out a couple of years prior to that, uh, you know, it hit me right in these specs, Mark. And uh, why don't you tell the good people out there a brief history age of Descendants All, and of course, uh, this Descendants album, or was it supposed to be for another band, Mark? You know, depending on how you cut it, the Descendants and All are actually like, I don't know, five different bands, maybe more, uh, with one giant beast of a drummer running through them. That's right. I talked about him before. I'm happy we had this opportunity. Bill fucking Stevenson is my hero. The dude totally rules. Now, I won't get into all of the other bands uh, that Bill was in. Uh, We're just going to talk about The Descendants and all for tonight's conversation. The Descendants, for the purposes of keeping uh, this remotely timely, uh, where originally they were, uh, Bill Stevenson's on drum, Bio Ackerman on vocals, Tony Lombardo on bass, and Frank Navita on guitar. That's right, not the Frank you're looking at, uh, for those of you cool enough to watch on YouTube. A different Frank, both of them are totally awesome. Yes. Then, uh, after rather famously going to college and coming back to put out two more records, uh, Carl Alvarez on bass and Steven Edgerton joined, Egerton, excuse me, joined the band for the fourth, uh, for the band's fourth album, All. No All. That's right. Uh, and then, of course, Milo departs uh, to become a scientist yet again. Uh, the remaining members would focus their new band, All, which oh. would go through uh, no less than three singers, uh, Dave Smiley, Scott Reynolds, and Chad Price. Uh, be sure to check out the documentary Filmage for the full story. That Look, there's a lot of other parts and pieces, lots of players, it's really cool. They do a great job breaking it down. Plus, you get to see Joe Cape just kind of lounging, drinking a cup of coffee. It's nice. Hey. Um, and we'll we'll circle back in a moment uh, to Chad, uh, Chad Price, that is. Um, but I want to focus, basically, in 95, 96, Milo reaches back out to Bill and says he's got some songs. He wanted to talk about maybe making a record. Long story short, Everything Sucks uh, was born as a Descendants album. Yeah, you know, Mark, I must say that I, I love the worldage of both bands. You see what mm-hmm. it is there. However, I, I just want to take a brief, very brief moment to say mm-hmm. that the trio for this particular album uh, of Stephen Egerton, Carl Alvarez, and Bill Stevenson are absolutely incredible. Not only are they legit attributing members to the band with regards to songwriting credits, mm-hmm. but musically, man, they are so tight. And I feel that's a reason why other singers work. Uh, they're true musicians. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, definitely. You know, unfortunately, all uh, was was guilty. And you can find clips of Bill Stevenson saying this guilty of being not the descendants, uh, which is a bummer, because as Frank and I will talk your ear off to no end, all fucking rules. Um, The Scott Reynolds stuff is good. The Dave Smalley stuff is good. He and I happen to love the Chad Price stuff. We do. The whole catalog is good. If, If you like the descendants, if you like early descendants, if you like late descendants, it fits in perfectly. They were a great band biggest crime they did was not being the descendants but (laughs) anyways so um here's what i want you to do put on your headphones turn them all turn all those albums up as loud as they can um 
and, and listen to what these guys are doing, right? Bass lines that deliver as much melody as they do, rhythm guitar work that highlights vocals while still managing to rip super cool riffs and the occasional badass guitar solo. Uh, and Bill is one of the fastest, hardest hitting and most creative drummers in the genre, if not the entire fucking planet. That dude rules. Uh, now we're going to jump into Everything Sucks. I promise we touch base about Chad Price and his place in all. Now, the band has never broken up, and since 96 has put out two studio albums, uh, Mass Nerder and Problematic, as well as a live album, Live Plus One, which includes Plus One is The Descendants Live, which is badass. Um, but there were rumors that Chad was supposed to sing on Everything Sucks. And if you go to the old YouTube machine, which Frank is such a fan of, you can find... <laughs> All Everything Sucks with Chad singing a good chunk of these 16 songs or 15 songs. He sings a good chunk. Plus, there's a couple other songs which would eventually make it onto the other all records and a few that never got released, but you can still find them pretty easily hanging out. Um, it's really cool to hear the alternate takes. Chad's got a little bit more anger than Milo does naturally, um, and it comes across in a really cool way. That's not to say Milo doesn't do a killer job with this record. In fact, uh, there are some times where he chant, you can hear that he's channeled Chad's performance and turned it into something really cool. Um, so with that said, um, I, I think it's, it's wow. time. You know, are you, are you ready? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. And, you know, I'm just sit, sitting here like daydreaming of all this mm -hmm. all in Descendants stuff. And I would love, I know we get some little glimpses of both of them, but I would love one track if you mm -hmm. guys are listening. Oh, in fact, Chad's my friend, so I should just message this to him, right? You should. Um, <laughs> Love a Descendants all song where you got one verse Milo, one verse Chad. Nice little minute, minute and a half. Wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Bam. Merry That'd Christmas. That'd be cool. Merry Christmas to me, Mark. That's all mm -hmm. I want, actually. It's all I want. So, oh. Um, all right. So <laughs> it's, it's time to get into this albumage, my man. Are you, are you ready for this? Dude, I'm so ready. But you know what the only problem is? What's that? Everything sucks. <laughs> anyways uh scared, track, scared me. track one title track everything sucks um you know when i was four i was excuse me i was 14 when this album came out and i was probably 15 or 16 when i heard it for the first time and i have to tell you when this song opens up and and you're just full of piss and vinegar this opening just speaks to you it's angsty it's got a little bit of heart in it it's just it punches it's it's fun it's got a little bit of everything and and you just feel so much better for getting that energy out. I totally just spit. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I'm so excited. Um, it, it's just, it brings this intensity. It brings this energy. You know, with it being a title track, I often worry, like, is this going to accurately represent the entire album? And I think for these guys, I think for the attitude it sets, it does. Although there are some really deeply personal tracks on this record that I think some people might go, well, why would you call it Everything Sucks if you're going to get this personal with it? Take a deep breath. It's just punk rock. It doesn't have to be, you know, an all-encompassing thing. I'm saying that mostly to myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I absolutely love uh, the opening track, Everything Sucks. How about you, Frank? Yeah. I mean, listen, written by Edgerton, and we get this, we get his classic sounding guitar strumming to kick us off, and bam, the descendants are back, right? 68 comeback special by Elvis, right? This is the 90s version of themselves, and it sounds it sounds great. You got your coffee, you got your snotty lyrics, all wrapped up into one fantastic opener, my friends. Mm -hmm. And and we go into the second track, I'm the One, 
single material. I mean, there was a video for it with all the members at a sperm bank making a donation. Silly, it's cheeky, but it's the descendants. That's that's who they are. Uh, great catchy melody. And of course, the band musically and sonically, incredibly tight here, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, this one was written by Carl Alvarez. Uh, it totally rules. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated bass playing songwriters in the business. Um, total uh, chainsaw pop masterpiece that every dude who's ever been, uh, you know, in that unfortunate friend zone can understand. Now there are those who will say that the song is a bit of a creep factor to it because it sounds like uh, Milo, even though Milo didn't write it. Can't take the hint that this chick's not into him. But I think it's about a dude uh, who maybe he's being led on by somebody who just wants a little bit of attention uh, and he's happy to give it to her. Either way, I think the song rules. Um, you know what? I I'm trying not to take it so literally. I'm trying to just enjoy the music for what it is. There you uh, go. And I think when you do that, you allow yourself this option for it to be for it to be a cool track about just being that guy who sticks it out and is there. Um, pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. Brings us right to track three, Frank. Coffee Where's mug. That? Where's that mug? Oh, look at that. There you go. Salute, buddy. Salute. That's right. Writing credits on this one go to uh, Bill Stevenson and uh, Steve, Stephen, excuse me, Stephen Egerton. Uh, but first, I want to point out that this is my Descendants tattoo. Uh, yes. It's on my left leg. It's a coffee mug with a banner that reads mug, 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 uh, with a wave of coffee cresting over the top. Um, mm. I'll try to get a good picture of it and post it in the Facebook group. I told you I would try to put my leg on the internet. We're going to give it away. Anyways, uh, for those of you who don't know the importance of coffee on the band, um, you'll think that this is just a short, silly song uh, for the rest of us. It's a tribute uh, to our blessed more, uh, savior of acceleration, coffee, uh, and lots of it. The live album is amazing because Bill plays it so fast that you can hear Milo at the end. Yes. Tell him to slow down because he's breaking the sound barrier it's so goddamn oh. fast. It's just cool. This is what a lot of people loved about the band. Super short, super punchy songs that just were a blast of energy. And it's it's literally that. It's it's caffeinated goodness. I I love it. Me too. Mug, mug, mug. And the importance of coffee to the band and well to us. And, and I'm glad after all this time, uh, we get their love for the cup back. Uh, listen to short, fast blistering. And that's the way uh, you would want that energy. Uh, just the way you would receive that energy from coffee itself. So... Uh, just a cool tune. Uh, for Rotting Out, one of my favorites from the album. Um, mm -hmm. Milo, Milo wrote this, and I love the, the line, so many minds, nobody ever speaks, uh, with a reference to a broken portion of a nuclear family. Um, kind of reminds me of my mom's side of my family, where it's mm -hmm. all very super nuclear, but there's a lot of things that went unspoken and swept under the rug. So now I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that. Sorry, mom. I didn't know your mom listens to this show, too. That means we have two listeners. Uh, great <laughs> this is a great track. It's a mid-tempo kind of rock number that reminds me a lot sonically of Breaking Things and Pumble, uh, which are two all, all albums, excuse me, um, where the band got a little heavier. And it's great to hear them pull in that, that sound and influence. Because after all, it is three guys from that band who always say, we don't write songs for this band or for that band. We write songs as they come. And here's what you get. So we get one of those tracks right here. Uh, you know, what's great about this is that Milo really sticks these lyrics. You're sitting front row at dinner as dad throws a pot roast against the wall and the kids are screaming and mom's drunk or whatever happened that Milo felt like his family was imploding um, or whatever he imagined was happening about a family imploding. Um, again, if you had any issues growing up, this song feels like it came 
it, it like it came out of you at some point and the, the catharsis in that is so good and so relieving it, i just love this track dude it's so or, cool. or if you have issues now <laughs> yeah i mean yeah uh yeah. track five this many uh is sick of me the sick oh me excuse me um Anyways, back to being the reason all my relationships fail. It's sick of me. Uh, <laughs> Bill Stevenson again and Steven Egerton team up on this one. Uh, it's fast and punchy uh, while managing to be strangely catchy. Pure modern descendants. It fucking rules. Yeah. Another super catchy tune. It's fun. Uh, it's a relationship song and the coolness of this band uh, where they're talking. They're, or I'm sorry, they're taking something like sick of me and just altering it sick oh me those little touches go a long way and that's that's pretty cool uh then we get caught hey mark mm-hmm. we got caught. About, yeah did you hear about the president what what happened he used a smoke pot what <laughs> i love this song and i love how fast it starts mm-hmm. and uh talking about the caught aspect in life and saying how these high profile people will get off uh, and normal folks, uh, of course, like me and Mark, uh, pay the price. It's a great tune, and I enjoy the screaming uh, that Milo's doing towards the end. And '96, everyone just so uh, everyone knows, Clinton was president. So there's things to get caught about there. <laughs> yeah, I was worried that I was a president, and I got I, never mind. Um, <laughs> you know, Frank, I'll pretend not to see what you pretend not to do, Frank. I wrote that backwards. Anyways, another banger from Carl Alverson uh, Alvarez here. I'm making up names. Um, you summed it up quite perfectly as, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing anyone is guilty of is being caught, right? Watch watch some uh, prison reality TV. You'll see that's the case. Um, pretty damn on point. And like I said, it feels awfully current, huh? Yeah. Hey. It's awfully current, you know? Hey. Although I'd, I'd smoke a dude with old uh, Joey B, the new Prez. Would you? Yeah, I wouldn't. I, dude, you couldn't get me to smoke a, a J with old Trumpy. That would be such a bummer. I yeah. roll the best joints. Look at this garbage joint you rolled me. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Anyways, but, we're not but doing I, politics. Uh, uh, a, uh, not HW, W. Mm-hmm. I, I would oh, do yeah. one with W. Yeah. I mean, like, I got a DUI in the 70s. You know right. the party. Right, like, exactly. What you had to do to get a DUI in the, in the 70s? Come on. He must have killed like a school bus worth of children. <laughs> Anyways, uh, number seven is when I get old. Oh, uh, here we have uh, Bill Stevenson and Carl Alvarez uh, on another uh, Chainsaw Pop masterpiece. This was um, missed by all those suckers who listen to actual pop music. Uh, this thing's just punk rock, Paul McCartney, dude. Half a love song, half dealing with getting old. It's fucking perfect. And again, feels fresh and new today as it did then. I mean, it really does just have that like, oh man, why isn't this on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, another single worthy tune. Uh, it's a little longer uh, time-wise than than the rest of their tracks uh, re- regards to the duration. Uh, it's a nice change of pace from the last three tunes, which which were really in your face. Uh, takes things down a bit and makes you think, what will it be like when I get old, Mark? Yeah, and there is a fun music video for this one as well. There is. There mm-hmm. is. Absolutely. Uh, actually, get Doghouse. This is a fun song. I mean, it's written by OG Descendants guitarist Frank Nevetta, not me. Sorry. Uh, it, it's that has that older Descendants vibe for sure. And I love how the verses are all different rhythmically. Uh, it, it's a different rhythmic pattern, which is really, really cool. And it keeps building up. Super fun song. And I know me and Mark always joke with the song. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's uh, everybody hates me. Uh, 
anyways, uh, you know, they, what's cool is they even let Tony Lombardo play bass on this one. Um, it's definitely has that Milo goes to college feel to it. It's fast, self-deprecating, uh, just a banger that never lets up. Uh, sometimes in life, you just need to know your place. And uh, I feel like Frank Nevetta is just not shy about letting you know who he is and what he stands for, because he's just a dog. <laughs> uh, I love it, man. It's, it's, it's great. You know what? Uh, track nine, She Loves Me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. She... Um, man, this is a cool song. We're, we're in this kind of like self-deprecating, unlovable phase of songwriting from Bill Stevenson. He painfully paints this picture of a relationship where he's not happy. And rather than telling her, he's waiting for her to notice and it's making him kind of crazy. But the way this song is structured and sung, you have no idea unless you really break it down and look at what's going on in the lyrics. Um, really cool. The, the chorus is so catchy that you will sing it even if you realize you kind of hate this guy. But at the same time, he's so empathizing. You can just relate with this dude and go, yeah, you know what? Despite being a scumbag, this woman loves me and it's amazing. And it's, it's, a, it's a cool track. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite on the album. And I'm thinking now all of a sudden it's maybe the, the first one I may have heard from this album too. So I always kind of mm. you know, equate it to that. Uh, but listen, thank you, Mr. Stevenson, for, for writing this. Um, it has all the elements of a classic Descendant song, loud guitars, audible bass fills, uh, perfect time drumming, and Milo's vocals, man, a range all over from singing to screaming. This song rules. The song yeah. absolutely rules. Um, my favorite, definitely. Um, now we got a Hateful Notebook. Uh, it's actually one, believe it or not, over the years. I haven't given much attention to it, to be honest. Uh, it had a, really a Chad Price vibe to me, so obviously I could see him singing this cool melodic guitar playing in the verses i enjoyed it uh for being one that i really over the years maybe didn't spend much time with what, what about you mark yeah um uh, this is a, another carl alvarez and bill stevenson joint um you remember that girl who always had that little journal or diary they'd carry around with them and make these little notes about everyone and everything um do people still do that or is it all just on their phone now on the phone now yeah anyways it, it's a really cool number I, I think it's it's got a little bit of a, a dated miss issue with it because like i said nobody's carrying those notebooks around anymore you know i had one i remember like you know in high school i had like a history journal i had a a, 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 a live a, journal whatever whatever english class was called i had a journal for that i had a, you know and then I, I had a journal where i wrote shit down and you know it was terrible uh, and i did have a live journal i remember for remembering that um, you know, but this, the song's super cool. It's, um, you know, it's just a cool little, little love number, um, about a girl who's just obsessed with writing in her book. It's, it's cool to me. Uh, track 11 is called We, the American We, we not the French We, W-E. We. Uh, th this is one of my favorites on the album for sure. Uh, it's written by Milo. It's pretty straightforward. A couple is going through some hard times and he's doing his part. To let his partner know he's it's gonna work out. It's simple, it's beautiful. Um, I give one of my glorious testicles to write a song like this, Frank. <laughs> it's a pop punk masterpiece. Listen, mm -hmm. it's so catchy, and you get Chad Price on the backing vocals. They're more than welcomed. Mwah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Track uh, <laughs> 12 is Eunuch Boy. It's a 19 second song about someone who's castrated. Fun. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Milo shares writing credits here with uh, Tony Lombardo on this one. And, and Frank Nevera, uh, Nevada 
Nevetta? I don't know. Uh, plays guitar on this one as well. Uh, it's it's honestly a low light on this album for me just because this, the rest of this album is so fucking good. Uh, and this is, as Frank said, a, a 19 second song about somebody without a dick. So shrug. <laughs> this is me doing my shrug emoji. I wrote shrug emoji. Like, look, it's, <laughs> but it's it's what people were expecting, right? Short, punchy song about something fucking crazy. Sure. It's, there you it's go. 19, it's 19 seconds. This one, me and Mark. 19 seconds. When me and Mark were in a band, we had like two, I think, 10 second songs. And I'm sure if, if anyone was ever listening, they were probably like, all right, just get those out of the way and move on. Yep. Next. <laughs> they were mostly like, just just get, just move along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, track 13 is called This Place. This Place. It's about this house that I'm in right now. No, um, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, maybe being a scientist wasn't all it was cracked up to be as Milo gives us this classic number about how much he hates work. And this song fucking rules. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic sending, classic sounding Descendants song, absolutely. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite just because I think there's a lot already that happened and transpired on this album that is mm -hmm. really high up there. Probably I would put it towards the bottom of my list of favorites from the album, but if you're putting it in the context of the album, it's, it's definitely not bad. Mm -hmm. um, so another one, I Won't Let Me, uh, is it where I didn't give much attention to it over the years. It's one of their longer tracks. And, you know, it was one in the past I probably skipped more than I actually sat and listened to it. Uh, but again, oh. it, it's a it's a really good track. And and I don't know the reasoning for that. Who knows what was going on during those times or when it was in my car and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it was one that I thoroughly enjoyed. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I, I really adore this track. It's just one of another, uh, just another chainsaw pop masterpiece uh, from Carl Alvarez. Uh, literal context about this, the song aside, uh, it's about stepping up and doing the right thing when you're, uh, when, when you are someone who's once failed. Um, maybe it's because I travel a lot for work uh, and I used to be a scumbag, uh, but it just speaks to me as kind of a, the hopeless romantic I see myself and that I just miss my wife all the time. So uh, I trust that uh, she knows that I won't let her down by doing something stupid. There you go, man. There yeah. you go. Uh, and with that, we're up to the, the last track. Thank you. No, thank me, Mark. Yeah. Um, if you think back to Catalina, right, off of Milo Goes to College and, and how they reference the last tape, um, and then you come back to thank you, this is just kind of the perfect way. If, if they had stopped here, Frank, the perfect way to end the record and, and their career. Because I'm sure when they finished this, Milo was like, cool, I'm going back to be a scientist. And they didn't expect to make another record. So this thank you really was just this awesome thank you for not so much the fans, but for the people and bands that came before them that inspired them to do this. Um, just really, really great song. This one was written by Carl Alvarez as well. And I think if you're, if you're like me and Frank and you grew up just glued to your Walkman and to your CD player and just obsessing over music and going to shows and, and spending the time mind-numbingly listening to podcasts where two fat guys on the internet just go on and on and on about why records suck then this song speaks to you because it, it's that it's so genuine and their love for music in there you know there's a line i glued the tape into the tape deck so that i could learn every note and every chord it was right right on like it's just yep. so cool man yeah, um i love it you know and there is um i'm going to touch on the 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 theme at the end, the, the hidden track after you. Yeah. So I, I've always called this song and we together in the sense that they're true, like really pop punk masterpieces with actual length to the songs. Uh, again, it's a tribute to those who have influenced them. Hence, thank you for playing the way you play. 
fantastic finish to an album. Uh, and Mark, as you said, there's an instrumental track, Grand Theme, right, to round things up here. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, so Grand Theme here, uh, written by uh, Stephen Egerton on guitar, and it's considered to be the end of a, of a quote-unquote theme series started by Tony Lombardo, um, where if you listen to Descendants albums and they peek into the All albums, you'll notice that there's just a couple instrumental tracks all based around the theme. This was supposed to be the conclusion of it. It's the only one written uh, by Steven Egerton. The rest of them were all written by Tony Lombardo. But it just really gives Bill and Carl and Steven this chance to rock out, you know, just a, something a little extra, something different that that's not anything that'll throw you off base. It just kind of, it's this fitting ending of, of the band playing on. It's really kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with that said, Frank, uh, your final thoughts? Wow. Wow. So listen, if I had to rank Descendants albums, uh, this would be number two for me. And I think we all know what number one is. Um, this is their comeback album. And, and they came back in a super impactful way. They reintroduced a world to them and they brought, um, they brought in those 90 punk fans, including those who may have heard of All First before the Descendants, just because that was the time and the All was more active. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a quick and punchy ride. Listen, with elements of what uh, you've liked about the band while taking away kind of those jammy experimental Minutemen type tunes and giving us actual songs, right? Um, mm-hmm. I love the four song span of Mug, Rotting Out, uh, Sick of Me, and Caught. Uh, it's a real highlight on the album. <clears throat> and of course, She Loves Me is something that uh, I would have even put out as a single because I think it's just such a fantastic song. Uh, you're you're going to get maybe some of those under two minute tracks here that um, maybe they may not do anything for everyone, but However, the musicianship is there. Vocals are spot on. Uh, it's a fantastic album. Uh, eight out of ten for me. So I, I I love this album. What about you, Mark? Yeah, dude, I I fucking adore this record. Um, it spoke to me as a teenager. It's speaking to me now as an adult. Um, it's got those super short, punchy songs we've all come to expect, but it's also got those really thoughtful and personal tracks that totally rip without being cheesy at all. Um, this is as close to like a, a 10 out of 10 perfect record for me, um, as I think a record can get, but, and again, these ratings for Frank and I totally subjective records hit everybody in a different way. And that's, I mean, this one just really sticks to me. I think for me personally, it ranks a little higher than Milo goes to college. Mm, interesting. Um, but I definitely highly recommend checking out the Chad price cut of it. Like I said, YouTube, all, everything sucks. You'll find it pretty easy. It's, it's kind of a, a total banger. Um, and Chad does a great job. You get to hear those alternate takes. It's really cool. It, it, to me, it's just a very special record. I think it's one of those reasons, one of those records that made me know punk rock was what I liked. So so you like this? So this is your favorite Descendants record, basically? Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. all right. And Milo's number two? Probably. Probably? Yeah, probably. And I really like Cool To Be You. I think that I record's fucking awesome. I do. I do, too. I know we were exchanging some lists back and forth mm-hmm. of, of uh, the, the rankings. I mean, listen, there's not a bad one in the bunch, too. You know, there are those experimental tracks we spoke mm-hmm. about. Um, but, you know, hey, it, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. All right, Mark. Well, so top 10 time. And, and I think we're thinking of doing something a little different, right? So for the top for 10, sure. we're talking about this legendary pop punk band. In fact, mm-hmm. to us, the best pop punk band, I would say. Um, I mean, you know, of course now that people are going to deconstruct that. Right. Anyway. So listen, uh, we wanted to change things up a bit. So let's take a look 
at some of the mm-hmm. most popular punk bands ever. There's just a list that that randomly got. Uh, we're going to look their pop punk. That is, thank you. We're going to list their names, give a quick thought or two, and see if we like them. Uh, and maybe we'll have some confessions of guilty pleasures. Mark, are you ready? Yeah, that's not going to happen for me. Kick it off. <laughs> All right, Mark. The first band is Sum Forty One. You know, I liked that first album when they got popular. I was in high school um, and I liked the way they tried to mix it up and make it a little bit metal. Um, but I couldn't care about anything they've put out since. And to be honest, looking back, I don't give a shit about that record either. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, like Mark, I was into Fat Lip for a minute and uh, they had this, hey, we're pop punk, but we love metal. Like I even, I even recall a performance which you just priest now at like one of the award shows, when award shows used to play like, rock and roll music um you know i saw them not too long ago and it was super packed and their fan base i was surprised i thought they had like a, a dwindling fan base no the fan base is like legit like it's mm. legit. yeah it's crazy oh. um however though like you mark i can't say there's anything recent that's worth worth a dime yeah. so um yeah so that's mine uh what about the next band mark you want to introduce them yeah, you ready? Tell us what your, your thoughts and feelings, your deep emotional satisfaction for the band Yellow Card, Frank. Yeah, so we op- we saw them open for Lagwagon uh, mm-hmm. at a place called Ovation? Mm-hmm. No okay, longer I'll... Ovation. Right. What is yep. it? What is it's, it a, it's America's Backyard. It's Revolution. It's a couple different things. Oh, then that's the wrong place because I'm thinking up oh. in... Wait. Oh, no, that's right. We saw, we saw them in what used to be a Winn-Dixie Right. That became Club Ovation, um, which is now a parking lot. They bulldozed that whole thing. That whole thing's gone. Yeah. Bummer. Bummer. Okay. So we saw them open for Lagwagon, and that was right before they exploded in 2003 with um, oh, Ocean Avenue. I think that's the song, right? Uh, listen, it was cool. They came out. They had like a violin player. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then to me, they were just a, a run-of-the-mill band. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I saw them uh, <laughs> well before that. Uh, probably either like late 99, early 2000, um, when I worked at a club called Club Q. You remember that? Uber I Davey? do. I do. Uh, a friend came to see them, her and like three other people. Because um, uh, Nobody showed up is what I'm trying to say. The lady <laughs> who booked the show felt so bad for them. Uh, she let them clean the bathroom for gas money so that they could get to the next show. Wow. Um, yeah, because that few people showed up. Um, I was probably into that first record because I think I was trying to date that girl at the time. Uh, it never went anywhere and we're still good friends. And um, I have no memory of anything but the violin <laughs> of that band. Uh, <laughs> you remember them at the Lagwagon show though, right? Because we were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they're they're totally forgettable to me. I don't I yeah. don't know what people are into. Yeah. Um, next, uh, this is a long-standing band. Uh, mm. MXPX, Mark. What's your what's your thoughts on them? Yeah, I like the hits, um, but I don't like the, their albums. I don't think they stack up that well, and I kind of hate the lack of of edge they've always had. They've always had that kind of uh, pro-Christiany um, kind of softness to them where they, they weren't all that punk, although they kind of acted like assholes. Um, plus that dude has like podcasts and it's super boring and hard to listen to. I'm sure people say that about ours, but whatever, fuck that dude. So there are two episodes of the My Career podcast where there's Stephen Egerton on one, Stephen Egerton on one and Milo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those could be worth checking out. Oh, I um, have, they're painful to listen to because he's, <laughs> he has no concept of how to, 
have a conversation that's interesting. And he just talks about like, hey, so what'd you get in the mail? And they'll be like, that's Bills. what you want to talk about? <laughs> so, that dude's an idiot. Yeah, so so for a while, like 99, they were like that band for me. And mm-hmm. I was like super, when another band that we're going to mention down the way got like super big, I was like, no, MXPX are the ones that they should be big. And how dare this other band get big? And listen, I still dig their stuff uh, from from their catalog. Um, you know, the hits kind of like Mark said, um, mm-hmm. they're consistent. I give them mad props for still being around and having like a family vibe because they literally graduated high school and they that's went right on tour. That's yeah. all they've done ever since, and they're still together. Uh, their past few releases suck. Yeah, yeah very, <laughs> very hit or miss. Um, but but that's just what they are. And I think if you take them for that, you know, they're one of again the long longer standing um, pop punk acts. So, um, Mark, introduce the next one. For well, me. Hold on. I want to ask you a question first. Yeah. Would you <laughs> Would you like uh, uh, coffee? five more MXPX albums, which we all know are going to sound the same, or one more Goatee Hook record? Oh, man. And I, so, okay, so let's paint the... Uh, I, saw yeah, a show, I saw a show in 99. Uh, the Ever Passing Moment was about to come out, and um, the Hippos was opening for them, ska bands, right? And Love then... The just, right, me too. And uh, Goatee Hook, this band Goatee Hook from... Virginia, I want to say, uh, op- opened up for them. They're also on Tooth and Nail. Um, and at the time, the band was transitioning from this, uh, you know, kind of fast, shiny punk sound to like a like a little bit of a heavier kind of rock sound. And and I was like, oh, my God, like they're blending just like rock and roll and punk. And this was before like a lot of people were doing that. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I totally, totally dug them, uh, went and bought all their albums, saw them then, um, I think like a year later at a skate park. And there was like two people there. Um, and I always dug them and I always wish that they would have kept going. So yeah, I would actually go take a goatee hook album and probably there's only two people who know about them and that's me and you. <laughs> well, and the dudes in the band. And anyway, the dudes in the band, yeah. Uh, so uh, since we're talking about pop punk and it's amazing for two dudes who just spent all that time gushing about uh, how all of pop punk owes everything to the descendants. And we, um, yeah. How much you and I have hated all of these bands so far. Anyways, uh, next is... Newfound glory, Frank. Uh, man, okay, so they're hometown guys for us, right? Uh, listen, I have never been into them, nor have I gotten the insane fascination that people have. And this is not just me saying, "Oh, I'm the similar age of them," and, and we were also in a band at the time, and you know, theirs made it, and ours didn't. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. What What I'm saying is that their stock isn't valuable, but everyone has always made them like to be this eighty dollars stock, for example, when they're like twenty dollars. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's just very surface level, unflavorable, bubblegum pop, uh, weak lyrics, sometimes ear grating vocals. I don't get them. And I also used to work with the bass player's brother in the early 2000s, and he annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them so many times before anyone gave a shit. It's, it's not <laughs> fair. To be fair, I didn't like them then, um, and I still don't like them now. Um, I don't know why uh, they're still pumping out records. They've done uh, nothing good uh almost ever it's incredible um, it's incredible like, but people again are yeah i, I think they were i think they were one of the first pop punk bands a lot of people got they certainly started that kind of like second wave of pop punk right uh in the early 2000s or, or at least for south florida they were definitely that band um and a lot of people were just into it and and got on board 
and they certainly brought a lot of acts down. Um, like when I say that I saw them, I saw them because bands I wanted to see were playing with them because they were kind of the hometown heroes. And it sucked because I never thought they were that good. Right. I just like a different style of punk rock. Well, so it's interesting, right? Because now we're talking about pop punk and we're talking about mm-hmm. the pop punk the descendants have to offer. And then we talk about Newfound Glory's punk, uh, pop punk. And to me, it's totally different. Yeah. Opposite side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And when we saw descendants down here too, I think the bass player from Newfound Glory was behind us also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Mark, here's another one. Oh, hit me. Blink-182. Man, I just don't fucking care, dude. (laughs) Like, as a teenager on the bus, I thought they were kind of cool, but, like, I outgrew them way faster than than certainly they would have liked. I think I I outgrew them faster than the record played. Um, You know, they they stuck to the pop when they could have been punk, and it it just didn't work. Like, I, I get that they figured out a niche, and they were able to exploit it, and they all made a bunch of fucking money, but... Oh, I just don't care. And like, the, I, I just, I don't get wanting to be dumb forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Brian. You're not, no, you're not. <laughs> Listen, I, I liked Cheshire Cat. I thought Dude Ranch was fun. Enema, uh, excuse me. Oh boy. It's hit or miss for me. Uh, and everything since just doesn't connect. Now I want to go on record and I think both of us do. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope, oh, Hope it's okay to speak for you. I love Alkaline Trio and Matt's writing. And I get why he joined the band. I get it. I get it. But to me, it feels like a complete regression for him. He's vastly superior uh, to both Mark and Tom as songwriters go. Um, yeah. So I, I like Mark. I just don't care. I fully endorse that statement. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, hey, I, um, hey, Mark. You want to tell us about Saves the Day? Yeah, um, it's another band that I, I, I happen to like them. Uh, uh, Stay What You Are in Reverie and mm-hmm. Sound the Alarm. Those three albums, I, I like them. I love the acoustic versions of, this, um, of, of those records as well. Uh, if the OG members, uh, you like what I did, uh, stay mm-hmm. together and didn't veer from styles, I think they would have been in Newfound Glory spot because of the momentum that they had. Uh, however, like many, I, I don't feel their last few releases push their progression um, in the right way. And it's caused them to kind of their recent outings to be stale. Um, Mark, saves the day. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I hate to say this in that I don't want to sound like I'm trying to dish you, buddy. Okay. Um, but I always remember thinking, oh, save the day. That's a girl or that's a band that girls like. <laughs> you know, and it, I just never got into them. It, it just never connected with me. Um, and I, I probably gave up with, on them before I really gave them enough of a chance. There you go. There you go. Fair enough. Um, okay. So here, here's another interesting one. The Ataris. Yeah. So this is, um, this is one that people always look at me like I have two heads on. I don't really have an opinion either way. They're good musicians, but their songs are sort of, I don't know, they just don't do anything for me. Like I just, I've never connected emotionally I'll, even though i know that like everyone the fuck else my age did yeah so i i would say out of these bands that we're talking about here i i happen to like them i do i think blue skies and this forever so long astoria are good records and i think they got screwed over by the record companies and fans uh, a la face-to-face ignorance is bliss with their album welcome to the night uh like for real i think i think it's a good record 
uh, with many lineup changes and a loss of overall momentum, uh, they've really been reduced to playing like small venues that probably our band mark that we used to be in would, would be playing, which is mind blowing to me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, oh, here's one for you, Mark. Good Charlotte. Ooh, good Charlotte. Um, fuck that band next. <laughs> Yeah, oops, uh, we swapped there, sorry. Uh, That's all right. I, I know that we're, like, they are in that Goldfinger kind of messed crowd, and I like Goldfinger, mm-hmm. I know you do, uh, but I never got this band. I never got this band. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I remember I remember seeing, uh, oh, no, they did that, what was the cover they did? I saw a black flag sticker on a Cadillac. Um, oh, <laughs> that's actually the Ataris doing Summer of, uh, uh, um, That's with, not Good Charlotte. Doing the Don Henley song, Boys of Summer. All right, never mind. Yeah. In that case, I won't even give him credit for that. Good, uh, Charlotte, good, good Charlotte's the uh, Another Loser Anthem, that one. Nope, nothing. Nothing. Uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. There you go. Oh, is that like the, the F tattoo everybody has with the star in it? Is that what that is? Oh, actually, I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mark, Bowling for Soup. Yeah, so my buddy Mikey that I went to high school with loves this band. Hey, Mikey. Uh, I know you probably don't listen. Um, I just never got it. Plus, it's easily one of the worst names um, of a band. Uh, is it a joke name? Is it, is it a reference to something? I don't have a clue. Um, and, and I care even less uh, than you might imagine as to what Bowling for Soup. Like, there is nothing about Bowling for Soup that I'm like, oh, I'm interested to see what this is about. Like... <laughs> It's it's just so like uh, like bo- what bowling for soup like is this a dad band is this like yeah I, I don't get I would have gotten bowling with soup like bowling with soup cans like because it's actual like it's something you would do maybe sure maybe I mean listen I've never taken them seriously I I, I think how could you yeah I think they know <laughs> I think they know who, uh, what they are and they've positioned themselves nicely for like cartoon theme songs right because that's what they do. They did a Scooby-Doo. Um, uh, Phineas and Ferb, they did. I, I'm sorry, what? Phineas and Ferb from the Disney Channel. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> which, which one's the princess? <laughs> it's not a princess show. <laughs> it's not a princess? It's not a princess, no. <laughs> Frank, tell me about Fall Out Boy. Oh, oh. Yeah? Mark, Mark listen. Wait, when I, you have you a, for, yeah. I thought you orgasmed. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, listen, Mark, when you have a bass player who must make it known <laughs> that he's the leader of the band uh, and the group that tells me that you want attention and you have insecurities, I'm, I'm already out. I'm absolutely already out. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times when you see this band, the bass player who doesn't sing has to make it known that he's the main member of the band? I mean, it's just absolutely obnoxious. So that right there, boom, done. On top of that, their songs do nothing for me. Uh, it's just the design for singles and radio tunes and it's not my cup of tea. Mark, what about you? I should probably know more about this band, but my brain refuses to let me. In fact, whenever I think about Fall Out Boy, all I can see is that bass player's stupid fucking haircut. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. The way it's like really long, but he's going to like wax down instead of just, yeah, he looks like a fucking idiot. Not sorry, Fall Out Boy. <laughs> hey man, there we go. So we rounded up 10... <laughs> Um, there's of course some maybe that we were missing, but I thought it would be fun to go ahead and do this. Sure. 
Yeah. You like when I get angry about bands, don't you? I, I, I did this intentionally, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. So really out of these 10, I think, Mark, the one you legitimately liked the best, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is MXPX out of those 10. Oh, definitely. There yeah, because I like the hits. I yeah. mean, like, you know, any, they're a tight band. I, did, I just wish he had some balls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I get it. Like, he came from a really kind of... Um, structured background right where he was able to practice his music but still stayed really churchy and like you know i mean like it's apparently they're actually not churchy anymore believe it or not i don't care <laughs> but you know what because when i go to see him all i want to hear are the hits i don't care about the new stuff because it's not good right right look go go i'm happy that you're in goldfinger go play bass in goldfinger <laughs> Because because then it's just like, hey, that's the guy from MXPX, and then I'm listening to Goldfinger. I don't have to give a fuck. There you go. So yeah, you knocked them out right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an album though. I think eventually at some point we should get to, and that is 99's Ever Passing Moment. And the reason is just for the following: because if you, I I used to get the magazines back in the day, mm-hmm. and he apparently or the band apparently Tiger Beat the time mm-hmm. yeah Tiger, Tiger Beat. <laughs> Um, they were influenced by Costello leading up to the production of that album. Okay. So, so it's just interesting to hear. But, yep, anyway, I'm with you on that one, too. And, um, okay, Mark, for, for next episode, I think it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to take something, we're going to take a stab at something here that we're unfamiliar with. And yeah. I, came, I came across this band, Mark, uh, Jawbox, not Jawbreaker, mm-hmm. Jawbox. Um, just a quick, uh, quick thing. Uh, they're, they're a post-hardcore band from D.C., uh, they're, they were on Discord Records, uh, and they were produced by the same guy who produced Ugazi. So I read that their third album uh, for your own special sweetheart is good. So I figure, Mark, let's do it together. <laughs> Sounds cool to me, man. <laughs> I, um, I know that I've seen the name Jawbox. It's been one of those. I got like Frank and I both have these laundry lists of bands. Oh, my God. Check out. And I think they're on both of them for us. But it's one of those things where it's like. Hey, I got a lot of shit going on. I'll get to what I can get to. And I, I think both of us just haven't made it there. So I'm happy to just finally cross this guy off our list. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be cool because it's first impressions for both of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going into it being like, oh, I love this album. So Mark should and vice versa. So uh, yeah. I, think, I think it's going to be a really cool time. And I can't wait to see what comes out on the other side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> This was fun, everyone, right? I, I hope yeah. you guys had a good time. Like, subscribe, uh, hit us up. Um, you know where to find us. And thank you, everyone. Good night. And bye-bye. <laughs> I worked on that. Did it work? <laughs>